y'all, and welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. I'm Michelle. I'm Christina. How are y'all doing today? <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day. It it's is. It's a good day. It's a good it day. Is. Yeah. It's a beautiful day. The Lord woke us up. The sun is shining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So what is giving y'all life this week though? Oh. Wow. So much. <laughs> well, right now um, it is Lent. It's the season of Lent. Yes. And mm-hmm. it's so funny, different, you know, us reform folks, we're like, oh, we don't need to celebrate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving up moderation for lit. They so grumpy, so grumpy. Right, I love that. I love that. that. Giving up moderation. Yes. Exit out, but at the same time, I feel like there are there are some incredible opportunities to deny the self. So mm-hmm. I'm trying it out. You know, I'm trying fasting from different things and cutting out different things, and I'm already mad. So now I see. <laughs> I see how much I need the Lord. I need him so bad. I stopped shopping for lint. I'm like, oh, God, it's only been two days. I just need one nail polish. Hello. Just one. That's Mm. real. So that's giving me life whether or not I want it. That's it. That's it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Christina? What's giving you life good? Oh, you know, it's the... It's, it's the little things, the simple things, right? Mm-hmm. So um, my uh, my mother-in-law who lives with us, you, you know, I'm all about that multi-generational Love household. Her, um, yes. And, and she's fabulous. She just started taking a, a cooking class recently, a healthy cooking class. I mean, she can cook. Mm-hmm. She, she, can, she can throw down, but mm-hmm. this is a healthy cooking class. And so it's just really sweet to see her... Um, She's got her ingredients, and last night we uh, we tried out one of her her healthy meals, and so um, so that that was yeah it was great. And then the girls are in the kitchen, my daughters, you know, uh, watching her cook and uh, that kind that's of stuff. Great. So, Aww. it's just real, you know, being family. That's just Amen. so we like that. that family, is like that. <laughs> yes, no, yeah, I am currently in Cali. It's a multi-generational home, too, because grandma's here, too. And so it was so awesome to, you know, come home and be greeted by my grandma and go into the kitchen and see what my mama left for me. So, so, you know, so I love, no, I love my family. I'm so close to them, you know, so it's always nice to, you know, get out here when I can. So I'm out here for the weekend. Um doing what I do talking about race you know and so (laughs) so yeah so I am yeah so it's good to be um back home so well you know what I'm really glad that we started off with something that was Mm life-giving because here at the table we are talking about something that is pretty heavy and the topic of objectification is on the table today So before we dive in, I like to frame our discussion with a basic working definition of objectification. So objectification occurs when human beings are reduced to nothing more than sexual beings and are then viewed as evil or blamed for their objectification. 
So, uh, so I'm just thinking, that's just a working definition, you know, that I came up with. But whenever I think of objectification, I immediately think about Serena Williams, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think about the ways that uh, she, there's a lot of signaling towards the sapphire stereotype about Black women as being dominant, yeah. Um, yeah. emasculating, and sassy, Right. I only hear people from outside of our community use the term sassy. I, I never hear anybody in our community say that term. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's another subject. <laughs> so, that's another show. That's another show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Serena, she refuses to accept, you know, the racist projections and critiques of her body as masculine and unattractive. And mm-hmm. so uh, so I so that's who I'm thinking about oftentimes when I think about when objectification comes to mind. Um, but I do want to kick it to you, ladies, to see. Uh, if you would be willing to share with us how you have experienced or have been objectified. Mm. Where to start? (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's heavy, y'all. It's heavy. It's heavy. I mean, I think it is heavy because in part, especially that that second part that you read, Akimini, and it's Mm -hmm. absolutely right, being viewed as evil, I would say, because of the presumption that we are to blame for our own objectification. Mm -hmm. That's serious stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it means you can't live is what that means. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. not even you can't live as in be free, party, be happy, but you can't live as in try to be modest. It still won't work. Oh, Oh my, oh my. If that's not the story of my life, you Come know, on. good good luck trying to be modest with that. Good well. luck. Mm. Uh, we we live in a situation where it doesn't matter what part of your community you are in, you can't be seen as beautiful without being seen as a potential home wrecker. And so, mm. at oh. least, so I'm just testifying for Michelle, right? Mm. Yeah. So I got trouble having women friends who are married. I've had trouble having male friends, married or single. And in every situation, there is also that added layer of you are the one in whose hands other people's perceptions and assumptions are placed. It is all on you to manage everyone's racist, and sexist, because we can't leave misogyny out. Oh, yeah. It's up to us, basically, to manage all of those things. And so I I mean, I sort of entered this topic with an automatic weariness to it, Mm -hmm. in part because once you're in front of anyone for any length of time, it really is only a matter of time, sometimes mere seconds, before your body is as much a subject of conversation as the topic that you're speaking on. Mm. That's good. So. No, I, I think I can testify to that, that heaviness that Michelle, mm-hmm. you just, you just articulated for us. I mean, it's a, um, it's, it's a really, really sad thing. It's, um, it's really painful when you think about, uh, that people just can't, I mean, you know, objectification we're talking specifically about sexual objectification really is I think Mm -hmm. our focus um and and that victim blaming that's embedded in in that 
mm-hmm. and that the, you you carry this burden and responsibility of of making sure that others don't sin. Like I, I have heard that right, right. Yeah. verbatim. I've heard that yes. argument verbatim. And I've yes. and, and so we and because of that we get into like literally what I call like the yoga pants wars. Like we get we get into Come wars on, about yoga pants. Yes. We go get, there. We get into pants about like we get into, get into wars about the type of pants that people wear. Mm-hmm. Um and and, and what it means to be feminine, what it means to be dressed appropriately. Um, and, and I'm not saying that as, as to say that we don't, we're not mindful of the way right. that we, we navigate our lives, the way that we move physically through this world, that everything we do is something that mm-hmm. we, we ask honest questions of Lord, is this pleasing to you? Right. Yes. But, but the the level of frustration I feel that we continue to put women in the place of being responsible for the sin that they experience because mm-hmm. of because of other people's lust, mm-hmm. other people's um, unchecked beliefs that 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 they can own other people's bodies by viewing them mm-hmm. how they want to view them, by telling them what to wear, by telling mm-hmm. them what to do. It is such a stumbling block. And I think quite frankly, it's, it's implications are everywhere. It, mm-hmm. it, it's a sin that breeds more sin. Right. And so mm-hmm. um, this hyper vigilance to objectify women's bodies, I mean, it works out in ways in which we get people who fully reject it. Right. They, they yes. fully reject this sense of like, you're not going to tell me what to do with my body. Right. And, yeah. and and they reject it so much that they not only reject you person aren't going to tell me what to do with my body, but you, God, are not going to tell me what to do with my body. Mm. And we and we see the consequences of that full rejection that one mm-hmm. that when individuals try to tell people what to do and when we misuse um, our voices to be authoritative and we're supposed to be really shepherds uh, when we when we try to be bullies in this regard, we end up driving people far, far, far away. And yes. so, so I, I think that's why it hurts. Cause I know the consequences of, of, of women who have been driven far away in this way. And, and I give myself a fair amount of Liberty. I'm a, I'm a pretty kind of conservative dress person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's my style. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of who I am naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've seen them pantsuits. I'm like, look at that. Hello, I mean, I think woman in a one piece. Hello, I think you know, I think that's how we supposed to look, like Diana Ross. You know, come on, that's what Diana would do. You know we love Diana. You know we love Diana. I mean, hello, but 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 yeah, I I think I resent pep talks on um, on on how to be a woman and how to be womanly. I resent uh, Mm. I resent the dozens and thousands of books. Come on how on. to teach Come you on. how to be a woman. I I, I, re- I resent that that's an industry. I resent that we have more <sighs> that we have more frustration with feminism than we it's do with misogyny. That's you know? right. Um, Come on. I, oh, I just, now that'll I, preach. I just resent all the displaced anger, all the displaced control and power. Um so yeah, I got all kinds of feels about that, y'all. That's right. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yes. That was good. I mean, I think um you know, when I think about objectification, it's like, I mean, there are so many examples, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, I was, you know, elementary school kid walking home with my girlfriends from school and, Mm. you know, you have grown men catcalling. Yep. Sure. And I'm like, 
eight, I think, nine. Like, you know, walking mm-hmm. home, it's like, really? Oh, you know, um, which obviously that dovetails into rape culture, which we will talk about, yeah. you know, yeah. um, eventually. That's a whole nother subject. A whole but, nother yeah, you think about that. And then I think about just even my experiences in the church. I think of my experiences in corporate America, which yeah, um, yeah. there's an example. Um, back when I was living in LA, I don't know if people know this, but I used to be in pharmaceutical sales. So mm-hmm. I was in corporate America for about eight years or so. And and I did pharmaceutical sales for a couple of years. And um, I remember, you know, we went away for like a team meeting. Um, I think we were, I don't even forgot where we were, somewhere in Orange County, maybe at this point, but uh, we went away you know to a team meeting or whatever and after the meeting was over in the evening we went for dinner right and then drinks you know and whatnot together Mm -hmm. as a team with my manager and and I remember uh so my team was pretty diverse actually there was maybe two black women uh maybe one black guy two white two or three white women and then three hispanics so we had a pretty good um good diverse team and our manager was a white man and and I remember being you know at the table and you know people are just having you know discussions and whatnot um about their lives and and whatever and my boss talked about the fact that he had dated you know a black woman before you know and I was like okay I don't you know you know it's good what about to happen I'm I'm on what about to happen here? And, um, yeah, you know, he was like, oh yeah, you know, I've dated, um, black women. I've dated, I had a black girlfriend before, you know, I've, I've tasted chocolate before. Come on. Oh my. Oh, okay. And I remember being, um, cause I'm the, I'm, I was the only black woman who was dark skinned black woman too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so there's a whole nother layer there to that. But, um, I remember feeling, I was jarred in the moment and didn't know really how to respond because I was shocked. I was like, wait, what's happening? Um, I felt very much ashamed. I felt otherized. Um, Obviously, I was reduced to a piece of chocolate. Um, I I just, I was so objectified in in that moment. And obviously, that's sexual harassment, right? And so there's just a lot going on, you know? And I remember that that's such a very clear um, and prescient, like, example uh, for me of what sexual, uh, uh, well, of what objectification looks like and, you know, sexual harassment, but, but yeah, I, I, and I, I couldn't really respond in that moment. I I just know that I left with internal bleeding, you know, Mm. where I, I I just realized like, yo, like I was just otherized and dehumanized in that moment. And I didn't know, you know, how to respond at that. I I was in my early twenties. I just was like, huh? That's my boss. What I don't know. I didn't know how to navigate that. Um, and so I, I think that sometimes people just don't really realize, you know, what what that looks oh, like. So so what how what are some like maybe some specific ways that you you all have been objectified, say in the church, right? Mm-hmm. Like what does that look cause the saints will be like, Oh, well, that's that's cause you was in corporate America, right? <laughs> you know, but no, you know. <laughs> what does it look like though? Um, if you ladies don't mind speaking to that, what does it look like for you to be objectified in the church, in your own experience? Yeah. That's an important question, in part because there is a presumption that when you enter into the sanctuary, right? I mean, just the the mm-hmm. word used there, that, that mm-hmm. you might be free, that you might be liberated to 
disarm yourself or at least liberated enough to let the Holy Spirit disarm you and be like, okay, I'm shaking and I'm scared, but the spirit is at work here. And I trust the Lord enough that he's moving through all these people around me. Mm, Right. mm -hmm. And so we all have these stories of women who have tried to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in the people around them as much as he is in them. And they don't have the evidence that continues their trust. Uh, I mean, and I, I'm speaking as a person who's kind of a living as an ongoing witness that I'm experiencing in that I have worked for multi-ethnic congregations, uh, yet another lengthy discussion to have. I've worked for multi-ethnic congregations for almost 18 years and I'm, I'll, I'll go into supervisors offices and, and hear little bits of feedback that they don't know how to tell me. And their feedback mm-hmm. will all be physical. Mm-hmm. Well, we enjoy, we yeah. love your ability to direct choirs. It's you're the best choir director that we've had. Um, but, 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 um, but that but, um, but those breasts. Mm-hmm. And and I'm looking, I'm looking at myself in these instances, not in the culprits. I'm looking at myself thinking, really? Did you just, did I just hear somebody say that my low-key nickname is Nigolips? Did I just hear that? What? Um, Among the saints. And these ain't just white saints, my friends. Of course. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we are in a situation in which we have brought the poison of the world uh, really of the worst parts of the world. Come on, common grace. Um, but we have brought the poison of the, the evil of misogyny into the sacred walls, which were built to tear that mess down. Yeah. And so in those instances, it is easy for me to forget. And this is why I need conversations like this. This is why I'm hopeful that our listeners will will hear that we are trying to share a balm and actually set yeah. the right stuff on fire and put the flames out where people are suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's important for us to realize that what is happening is an explanation of idolatry. Mm-hmm. When we are holding so, we're grasping, clinging so much to the things that we think bring us joy. And that might be specifically the bodies of black women, the bodies of women of color, the bodies of women labeled voluptuous or sexy or chocolate. Um, It might be those bodies, but here inside the church, we are making a choice to ignore the opportunity to be completely satisfied in what the Lord is showing us. But we're terrified. I mean, I think people are terrified, at least in this instance I'm sharing, they were terrified to watch me sing or watch me direct. I mean, we've gotten comments in churches I've worked for where people say, I cannot connect with God while Michelle is leading worship. And it is God's grace. It's his grace that I've been amongst supervisors, leaders, pastors, people in authority over me who, re- who resist that nonsense. But at the same time, they also have to pastor their flock. And the reaction, what are you supposed to do? And this is yet another problem with the 
male authority system, and we go, we'll get into that probably in a year when I can secure a different job. Um, <laughs> we um, <laughs> keep that real, yes. <laughs> one of one of the issues with only believing that men have the answers mm. is that women are often the source of the problem. Oh, sure. Yeah. If yeah. only men have the answer to the objectification of women's bodies, then the most impacted group is never consulted on how they might be helped or healed in the process of addressing the mess. And I think that might be part of, of what ended up happening in my own life, where I err on the side of too much modesty to the point that I don't, I don't even remember the beauty that God has blessed me with. And I tend to think that my body is more of a curse than it is a holy vessel. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's wow. real, y'all. That, that, that's that's the real horror right there. Mm -hmm. Right there. Because mm -hmm. oh, we are embodied souls. Like, you know, yeah. like, your, yeah, your lips, your mm -hmm. butt, your mm -hmm. breasts were all made for the glory of God. You know, mm -hmm. so that is the real horror right there. Yeah. Uh, Christina, yeah. can can you um, tell us kind of like your own experiences with specific, you know, instances maybe in the church that you've experienced objectification? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think on one hand you can think about objectification as like the sexualization of of a woman's body. But I also think that there are times when that objectification for black women looks like black women aren't really women either. Mm -hmm. yes. yeah. So it's, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a really, it's a really weird thing. I mean, on one hand, like Michelle is kind of speaking really uh, profoundly to this over-sexualization, but then mm -hmm. there's also like this other dynamic where black women aren't women. And so, and so uh, there's, there's this invisibility that yes. happens too. Mm -hmm. Like they're not seen. Like if, when they are seen, they're seen in a uh, pejorative way, in a way that's dehumanizing, or they, or they're seen in a way, or, or they're, or they're just not seen. Like we just can't see them right now. I think mm -hmm. that where I have experienced maybe the most, um, I guess, objectification in in church, I don't necessarily say is so much related to my physical body, although that could really be happening, and I could just be mm -hmm. like in like. In a, in a zone, right? To just mm -hmm. have experienced it so long that I'm, I'm a bit numb. Mm -hmm. um, right. I would say that my voice, my voice <laughs> is a part of my being that is probably mm -hmm. the most provocative part of who I am. It is the person who pops their hand up. Um, so the raising of my hand and saying, have you considered this? It is uh, the ability to authoritatively speak about an issue or a topic where yes. I where I experience more like oh god here, here oh god here she comes okay 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 here she is, um, <laughs> you know mm -hmm. I, I I have experienced yes. I have experienced more pushback to my words <laughs> mm. than to my body um, and uh, and that is because you you are prophetess. Well, I was gonna say that <laughs> might be you be prophesying on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> You got to be in. You got to be in and know about that. <laughs> no, I mean, don't trust everybody. Look, that look that, that that's me reminding myself of you know the God's word, right? And so, yeah. um, and, and and hopefully it's you know 
prayerfully is true and it 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 sprinkles and it's impactful to others but mm-hmm. um but yeah i i think that's where i've seen it most i've seen the raising of my hand i've seen this the words that i say as being um, more provocative. And then those words get subjugated under the guise of, well, you're just a woman. Now, no one would say that really out loud. Mm-hmm. They would say that out loud. But the reason how I, the reason why I know that manifest is because um, when those same words are said by people who have social privilege, they're, profa- yes. they're, they're profound. Like, they're good. They're like, oh, that's Come deep. On. Like, you're, so, like yes. you're on it, right? And so just, you know, just to go on a rabbit trail, just the other day I was... Um, presenting something on culture to uh, a, a group of people about individualism in Western culture. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can say a whole lot on that topic. Right. Uh, but, mm-hmm. I, but I'm biased in being who I am. Right. We're all biased. Um, right. but, but so I, so I decided to put a short clip of, of Tim Keller, uh, pretty much saying, right. pretty much saying the same thing that I kind of say all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I mean, and, and actually he said something that was maybe even more provocative than I typically would start off saying. And it was just like, well, that's Pope Keller. That's, yeah, so, I that's mean, that's, right. that's so true. That's so good. That's so like, it's so neutral. He's so unbiased. Um, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He's so unbiased when he says it. Um, so it, so it's something about being in this gendered racialized body that makes it difficult for people because of social sin to hear what you're even saying. That's right. Um, and then to you, and then to use the sexualization piece as a distraction to minimize you or to dehumanize you or to dismiss your voice. So, I mean, I think, I think all of those things kind of weave together. Yeah. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. See now, I'm a single, the only single woman up on here, right? Single lady. And, uh, it's been interesting. Um, I've experienced, you know, um, a lot of what you uh, just shared, Christina, right? Because you know, I got the indiv, and I'd be speaking, you know, about <laughs> it's just it's just a weird thing, you know. Because um, you're not supposed to know God. <laughs> I, I was going to say you you can only understand God through your husband. So right. you ain't really met him yet. Oh, God. That oh, single God. man named Jesus, you ain't yeah. met him. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, God. Help us. <laughs> it's just weird. It's a weird thing, y'all. And I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, why are you responding to me this way? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, so in some sense, right, I've always felt this way, even as, you know, a young girl, you know, in the church, you felt maybe a man sh- holding your hand too long. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, you've been you visited to a church you're staying into your eyes way too deeply Uh-oh. you know and and it's like okay i need to avoid this person or really you know check boundaries because there's nothing good is going on right here you know so yeah. i've had that yeah. right but then i've also heard from the pulpit whether it be egalitarian or complementarian pulpits, okay? Because I've been in both. And where you hear women referred to as floozies or hoochies. Oh, my. Or, oh right? my. Oh, and no. so, Just you know, or, <laughs> yep, or described, right? Or, right? or reduced to the size of their butt. I mean, I've, I've heard that. So true. You know, and so, so that's deep, right? And yeah. you're like, mm, okay. You know, so we're, we're, again, that's that where we're, we're made to feel evil. 
mm-hmm. you know, because of, you know, our shape and the way that yeah. God has created us and made us, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's that, right? So you, so that's weird, you know, to be sitting in church and being assaulted in that way mm-hmm. um, when you're coming to seek refuge and respite and, um, and life, right? Um, yeah. From this very sick world that we live in. Um, and then you have that, that, that aspect where, where you're, you're, you're operating in the gifts that God has given you. You're, you're using your mind, you know, for his glory, Mm -hmm. um, for the edification, you know, of the church, you know, and what you say is either co-opted by somebody else. And because a white guy says it, then, Oh, now it's truth. Right. (laughs) And it's like, wait, what? I just said that. And I took how many hits (laughs) and been called, how many hoes and bees and come on. I mean, I'm just like, what's what's really going on? Like, you so, so yeah, there's that, that aspect there. And then you have this, this weird dynamic where if you're a single woman Mm -hmm. in the church Mm -hmm. who is attractive, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, and put together. Okay. (laughs) Like not looking crazy, you know, um, Then you are, you're, you're viewed as um, a predator, right? Somebody wow. that's out to get yep. somebody's husband, like. Oh, yeah, that's that homewrecker syndrome, girl. Yeah, you know, yeah. so where you're viewed as the, the yep. homewrecker or, I don't know, you know. Thirsty like or, until proven quenched. Yes, yes. That's yes, yeah, you say it all the time and I love it. Mm-hmm. Thirsty until proven quenched and it's like, huh? Like, I don't want, no, I don't want any parts of what you got. Okay. Like I'm content in my singleness. Now I know that that might be threatening to you in some way. And I don't know why, but, but it's like, I'm fine with where I, with where I am. And it's like, I'm not after your husband. I don't, you know, and if you think that, then you need to check what's going on in your own marriage, you know, because that's just really odd. And then you have this very weird dynamic though where you have, where maybe you're not dealing with that, but then you have yeah. men that are legitimately scared of you yeah. because they know that you know more than them, you know? And so mm-hmm. then, so then you're, you some you're, you can be either blackballed or people can, you know, front mm-hmm. online. Like mm-hmm. they, they love you, but they really don't, mm-hmm. they don't mess with you behind the scenes. And so I'm just, I'm just being honest. Like these, these are, I think, and it's just hard for me to, so I guess it's hard for me to just reduce it just to um, being sexualized. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think, um, our, uh, my intellect has been bastardized as well. Mm-hmm. Um, by you know by uh by men in the church not always though you know um i have like i have one a a pastor that you know totally supports and loves and you know so i have people that really do root for me and like are supportive and i praise god for that you know um but but that i'm just being honest about that that experience particularly being reformed and i think because of where i went to school so people go oh dang like what do we do with her you know like what do we do like she legitimately she she's been trained here and she knows you know (laughs) she knows what she's you know she knows more than me so what do i do you know I've, i've heard that from other people like well yeah they're scared of you what? Why? Like, you know, like, like, I just don't, I don't know. It's just a weird, weird, weird thing, you know? So, um, so you're not, you're never seen as fully human, fully a dynamic 
um, mm -hmm. image bearer who has something to offer the church, you know, because I yeah. think there's a lot of, there's power, right? So people are afraid of losing their power, you know, mm -hmm. to um, a woman who might know just a little bit more or maybe a lot more, you know, and can artic articulate it a lot better and who is not going to be docile. Yeah. Which yeah. I think everybody knows I'm not docile. It's all like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyway. I'm like, well, if they didn't, if they didn't, now they know. about to know. <laughs> I don't know, y'all. This is just, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it is a lot. I think it's also yeah. important to sort of to break down the flip side of everything that we're talking about, right? So, so first of yeah. all, yeah. we have to be honest about who's at the table right now. The three of us at this table, right? Uh, either, I mean, our ministry involves teaching leading or at least expressing through words in front of yep. others at some point mm -hmm. uh and, and there is another piece of objectification that really absorbs and sometimes uh, it's absorbed into uh, the psyche of a woman and sometimes it consumes them and that is in churches sometimes our our beloved sisters have nothing that they believe they, they don't know all that God has given them, but yeah. sometimes they accidentally desire to be objectified because mm. it brings them attention. Dun, dun, dun. And I know <laughs> I don't even, it You're is right. just, how right. do we even go into that? And then what happens y'all envy It's despicable. And we tear, we're, we tearing each other down, whether um, I'm so jealous of that uh, eight cup skinny girl who could wear a long V-neck to church on Sunday. Well, I got to wear a scarf every week because my G cup is just the cup spilling over, popping people's eyes out. Run is over, Lord. I'm saying when you a member of the G unit or up, you in trouble. I hate the summertime. I hate it. Because all my booze with the B and on down cups, I can't stand there. I'm looking at their chest like, I wish I could wear my V that deep. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but, what, but what happens, especially among sisters, not just sisters in our community, but sisters, when we get into multi-ethnic experiences and folks are saying, wait a minute, um, I, it's, it's a white woman over here in the back who feels like the only reason that you can get up and talk is because you're black. So I'm, I'm back here feeling like, wait a minute, mm. we, uh, despite the fact that that's wrong headed, they're still experiencing that. Sure. And mm -hmm. there may be a despising between men, women because of how we were born, because of what we have struggled through, because our testimony involves being objectified and theirs does not. Yeah. So the Lord is working to heal things where you've got to look at some of these marriages or even some of the folks who are looking at you sideways, like you finna come up and mess with their husband. Part of that is because God's calling you to love on them and to show yeah. them that sexuality is not the number one thing that a woman sees in a woman. And Amen. to show them the sexuality, despite the fact that absolutely not, it should not be the number one thing that a man sees in a woman or, you know, whatever the orientation is, we have to actually work. This is the burden that I'm committed to taking on myself. And that is to inform any woman who might be intimidated by me or any woman by whom I am intimidated, mm -hmm. that it is the Holy Spirit that bears witness between us 
that God's beauty is assigned universally in a mosaic of practical application. I mean, it is applied in a beautifully diverse way, but the assignment, the definition of beauty is universal. God made you, you are gorgeous. And too many churches, too many churches wrap up beauty in whether or not somebody you're married to is feeling on you or touching you Mm. because we have conflated beauty and sexiness. We have conflated what the world thinks is hot and worth a photo op and what God has told us he rejoices in. It's infiltrated us and we worship it and we center it. This is why, Akimini, you have those experiences. And I know, I'm sure Christina and I, I know when I was single, that was just mm-hmm. uh, over a decade ago. Good God, I couldn't, I couldn't ask a man to play the drums on my worship team without him being like, well, let me let you talk to my wife. Hold on, <laughs> boy, wait a minute, bro. It's like, huh? What? Can you, I want you to play the drums, not come and do like a private dancing solo thing. No, just <laughs> Anyway, it's a lot. And it's because the center of beauty is your worth in yeah. sex. And that is dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And we're mixing mixing far too much, far too much with what God has already said. I made it. And that's yeah. enough. But, it, yeah. I, you know, a lot of this, I think, is connected to the fact that we don't even know how to be brothers and sisters well together. And so yeah. the only yeah. the only way that a sister is seen is as a sexualized entity. And this is why men first of all. So this this is why we have a long list uh, and I would say a legalistic list of of, of a protocol whether um, implicitly or explicitly stated about how men and women ought to interact in the church. Yeah. Um and so, so you'll have people that it's like, well, I can't really approach you without also bringing my wife to share something with you. And, um, like, huh? it, yeah. so, so, so some, and so, and so some of that could be a reflection of, well, uh, the nature of that particular marriage might need those types of boundaries in it. Who knows? That's right. Um, That's right. It, it could be t- tied to a really long history or whatever, or maybe pornography addiction or whatever. It could, it could be rooted That's in those things. Right. But I do think, right. I do think this odd checklist, um, you know, it creates a dynamic where brothers and sisters in Christ can't sharpen each other in the faith. And mm-hmm. when I think about, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, I think about this husband and wife who basically mm-hmm. sharpen this young preacher that, that mm-hmm. worked to make him better. Um, you, you can see how we, we have to have that way of approaching each other. We have to, we, mm-hmm. to me, there's something wrong. If I'm talking to a, a man who's a believer who has not been sharpened in his faith at some point in time by a woman. Um, by a woman. That's right. That, that, that that's just odd to me because it's the same spirit mm-hmm. at work, uh, and we're not talking about you know um, complementarian egalitarian issues. Right. Right. I, I'm just talking about who who you can hear God's word from. Who who can give mm-hmm. you encouragement? Who can give you correction mm-hmm. from the word of God? And like if that has mm-hmm. to be gendered for you only, then you're setting up systems right. to live in your disobedience. That's yeah. right. We're setting That's up right. our systems to excuse our sin. So I, I'll only hear a word of correction from uh, someone who looks just like me. I'll only hear a word of correction from someone who um, has this particular degree. No, I need to be able to hear God's word quietly, uh, correctly stated to me from whatever vessel God is bringing me that word in. Um, so that right, I can, right. Right. And so um, this selective submission versus this mutual submission is 
Mm-hmm. It's so problematic. It's a distraction to the repentance that we all need to do when we create this checklist of who, who can speak into our lives, who can exhort us and who can correct us. Um, right. and, and sexualizing people is a way of, of taking away their voice, right? When we think about Jesus on the cross, this is a this is a this is a nude man. That's right. Yeah. It, so the crucifixion in itself is an expression right. of sexual abuse. People don't talk mm. about it that way, but that is what oh, it wow. is. Come on, bring that. And, and that is one of the ways in which Jesus identifies with us. He Amen. he takes on all of our shame, and we're Amen. and we're kidding ourselves if we exclude sexual shame. Wow. Oh, yeah. He he takes on sexual shame from that cross. And Mm. um, and and so there he is, new before the world, taking on the weight of our sins. Um, Mm. And and so I think giving a picture of what really is happening at the cross, a full picture picture. has something in, in it for us in this very discussion that we're having right now. Um, Amen. that Jesus himself was sexually objectified on that cross. So um, and he bears our sexual objectification even now. Right. So mm-hmm. he, he, he took that Amen. upon himself. So there, That's right. but when, when we preach a, a truncated crucifixion, when we take Jesus and we pull him into 1950s, uh, individualistic, American, mm-hmm. uh, white as a social caste system models. Uh oh. Then we miss all that. We miss all that. That's right. We miss all, all that. Right. And I need, all I need the full Jesus. Yeah. Like my soul needs the full Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. That was good. No, that was really, really good. <laughs> Yeah. He bowed his head for me. He died. That's love. Yep. That is love. Yep. That is so and, good. And that's yeah, love for the sexually that. objectified. That's love for the sexually right. objectified. It is. That's so good. Come we, on, Christina. We, you we, got we got a lot. We, 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 <laughs> we can't keep sanitizing um, the, re- the ugliness of the cross. Yeah. We can't. That's right. We can't, that's we can't right. settle that's for this. man up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very true, you know, and, and we can't. And if the if the taking on and relieving us, healing us of our sin, if that part ain't ugly, if uh, we make it beautiful, then all of the ugliness, we feel free to shroud over it with a nice pristine cover. Right. And that's, yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that Christina just blew our minds, first mm-hmm. of all, Holy mm-hmm. Ghost is up in here right now. Yes. But we cannot cover the thing that is saving us. Look uh, on him. Come on. Look on him and live. Uh-huh. Your deliverance is to look upon the very thing that is taking your shame and is freeing you from it. I'm like, y'all, I'm finna start speaking in tongues. <laughs> somebody gonna have to take over. But I'm saying when we refuse to look on him. And instead, we want to cover him up so that, oh, make sure the babies can handle it. Uh, Make sure the young people don't feel uncomfortable. Now, wait a minute. We are overlaying on top of our own gospel, the thing that we claim sustains us. We're overlaying an artificial word on top of the word of God. And that word is false modesty. Mm -hmm. It is false. Mm -hmm. 
And we don't know what to do when the Lord tells us, I have died and gone to glory to make you beautiful. Yeah. Not in your own strength, but because of mine. We don't know what to do. So, I mean, you know, you hate to get to what is laying under everything we just said, but I'm not sure mm. that naked Jesus is the same Jesus whose blood has washed us all. Mm. So I'm going to leave that there. Mm. But that's my, that's my deepest fear. That's my deepest fear when I walk into the, some of these situations in the church. Yeah, I mean, that that was such a powerful insight, you know, um, Christina and Michelle. I mean, the reality is that when we refuse to look, you know, mm-hmm. at the bloodied, naked Jesus mm-hmm. Christ hanging mm-hmm. on that rugged cross for yeah. us, what we do mm-hmm. is we put ourselves in the place of God the Father. Yes. And the the, the prophet told us right. in Habakkuk, chapter 1, verse uh-huh. 13, it was he his eyes were too pure right. to look on evil. That's right. Because Jesus Christ became sin for us. That's Second Corinthians mm. five, I think twenty-one. Or yeah, I believe mm. that's that. And so he became that sin offering for us. He's the only one who cannot, who needs to look away because he is holy. We are wretched. Yeah. We are sinful. We need to look to him, as you said, Michelle, for our deliverance every day. We need to look at him. We are saved and mm-hmm. being sent. Okay. Amen. And so that, that we must do that. And so when we do that, we see, when we look away, we see the haughtiness, we see the self-righteousness. Yes, that's we right. begin that's to make, right. right? We, we begin to uh, put our play ourselves. We violate the first commandment, right? You know, we, we, that's, that's what's right. happening, you know, because we're, we're making another God, you know, we're putting another that's God, right. the God of self before, you know, our, our, our loving and holy and merciful God. Yeah. And so, that yeah. oh, this is so good. I think we just need to just end it right here for real because we have an altar call and just <laughs> yeah. Let's get, wait a minute. Let's get the prophetess, Christina. Can you can you take us before the throne? Can you take us before the throne? You know, as as I'm sitting as I'm sitting here thinking about this, I am. What comes to mind are the dozens of people that I've counseled who have been sexually abused. Yeah. And, mm. and and the dozens of people who have themselves sinned against their neighbor um, through sexual oh, yes. pornography and yeah. um, other forms of exploitation. Yeah. And I just wanted to lift up a word of grace to them. Um, oh, and I just wanted yeah. a, a grace to ourselves, right? And so if you could just join me in praying and then Kimney will close mm. us out. Sure. Gracious yes, God, yeah. our Father, we thank you. We thank you that... Um, we thank you that you see us. You see us completely and totally. Um, and mm. that in you, because of Christ, we have no more shame. You yeah. have taken yeah. both guilt and shame. And you, because of you, Lord, we can rightly see you. We can rightly see ourselves. Mm. And we can rightly see our neighbor and our enemy. And Lord, I, I pray for all those who are caught in a very real bondage of of uh, low self-esteem of yeah. not loving themselves, yeah. not being grateful for the body that you have put them in. I pray for those okay. who are under the bondage of sin that causes them to yes. not rightly see their neighbor. I oh, pray no. for our brothers and sisters who are addicted to pornography. Even right now, I want to remind oh, them that yeah. there is hope Jesus. in you. There is hope in you, oh, God, yeah. that Thank you, you, you set your son, Jesus, 
to be exposed before the whole world nude and to bear our shame, God. And you accepted his great sacrifice by rising him from the dead. And Lord, because of that, we are living beings, beings who no longer have shame. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you for the blessings that you give to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you so much, ladies, for just sharing on this very difficult uh, topic mm. of objectification. I, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, my, our hope, and uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say our hope and our prayer mm-hmm. is that um, those who listen, male, female, you know, cause this actually does happen mm. um, the other way around as well, but yeah, we're speaking as black right. women, you know, that's often that's lost right. in the conversation, but we, we are centering women here. Um, we, we just, you know, we hope that this, you know, this episode was just hopefully life-giving, uh, maybe gives voice uh, to your own experience um, and allows you to enter into that um, and, and, and send it to the one who redeems that. Yeah. Um, and so, so thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your own experiences. Yeah. I know it's not easy you know, to talk about yeah. these hard things that we experience, particularly in the church. Um, and so we do want to invite our listeners that um, if you feel comfortable sharing or responding, you know, to this episode, please tweet us your thoughts uh, and your experiences with objectification uh, using the truths table hashtag. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at truths table, or if you feel more comfortable, you can email us uh, your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truth's Table is a collaborative effort between the Reformed African American Network and Protestary Studios. You can learn more about the Reformed African American Network by visiting randnetwork.org. Our producer for the show is Bo York. Thank you so much for taking a seat at the table with us this week. We have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth's Table. 